Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Hey friends, welcome to episode 57 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon. And I'm Lynn. And we're so happy that you've pressed play as you're going about your day. Uh, It is September. Welcome to September. We're back. Yes, (laughs) we are back. We've taken a bit of a break over the summer. Uh, We're actually recording still in July, so the summer seems like stretched out before us. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of fits the topic, actually. We're kind of living a lie as we say it's September. <laughs> yeah, as we're talking about truth and lies on this on this uh, podcast series. But I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, we hope your, your summer has gone well. Mm-hmm. We um, hope you're gearing up for the start of fall and school and routines and all the things that happen um, in the fall. We hope it's been a restful time. Yes. We hope yeah. we feel rested. We do. <laughs> that is what that our hope is. So if you see us, ask us, did we get that rest? Yes. So we are launching a brand new series, and we're excited about this one. It's called Truth or Lie. And we're basing this series on Elisa Childers' book called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. And I'm t- I tell you, I'm partway through this book, but this book is really opening my eyes to some of those things, some of those thoughts that I've bought into mm. that aren't necessarily biblical truth. Yeah, and it's so, so easy to do. Oh, it is. It is. So, Lynn, um, is there something that you can think of that maybe you've believed but have found out that it's actually not truth? Well, it's, I mean, I feel like... We could talk about this every episode, and I know there are so many things. Um, but the one that's coming to my mind right now is that I have just recently found out that I'm actually um, dealing with low iron in my body and needing to do some things to fix that. But so many things that were symptomatic of that, I just thought were normal. And so finding this out, it's like the light bulb came on, and <laughs> and it's this big surprise of, oh... Oh, that's why I'm feeling that way. That I don't need to feel that way. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Like, but I didn't realize. I had no idea. I just thought this is just how it is now, and this is just how you have to deal with life. So it's it's a it's not really an ideology, but it's still a truth that I felt right. was true about myself. Right. And and just how easily we can just buy into that, almost gaslight ourselves into thinking something um, because. We just think that this is the way it must be. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and how about you? Well, as I've been reading this book and and also um, Gary's message this past weekend, which would have been um, beginning of July, the first message in July, um, the whole idea of you only live once. Like I often think that and I think, oh, well, I want to do this. And I, right. for me, it has more to do with experiences than it does uh, with you know collecting material things 
but oh I you know I want to have this experience because I only live once and I want to make the most of it and that's that's really not biblical we're supposed to be setting our eyes on eternity and living for eternity and I will live forever in the presence of Jesus that is the truth so yeah it's so thinking too much about earthly things is that what you mean yeah yes yeah, and so I think we all have little areas that we just kind of need our thinking challenged because we may have bought into worldly thinking, not even realizing it. Well, and I think that's it. Right? I think that's what the book is going to um, largely present to us is just pausing and actually thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. Because you do. You, you're just going about life and you're doing the things you need to do and it doesn't occur to you that these are things that could be wrong unless yeah. you actually are actively seeking God to reveal them to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, so true. Okay, so we're going to dive into the book. We're going to talk about three, the first three chapters on today's episode. The first chapter is called Airplanes. Trust me, even though I've never done this before. And so she introduces the topic. I I just want to read a little bit of a paragraph. Um, She talks about slogans like um, trust your instincts or they never lie or, you know, other slogans that we have. And she says, what if these little slogans that sound positive and life affirming are really just lies that will unhinge us from truth, reality and hope? Relying on popular wisdom can cause unnecessary pain and confusion In other cases, it leads to absolute bondage to whatever virtual signal of the day is dominating the internet. And so that's, that's kind of, that's what this book is about, is challenging those little slogans. Well, and keeping in mind that a lot of lies are, or at least the very best lies are the ones that are really close to the truth. So, like she says, they're made up of at least 50% truth. And it's just that really small bit that spins everything out of proportion and out of out of truth. And so we can really easily buy into them because they sound really good. They sound positive. They mm-hmm. sound encouraging. And they promise things. They promise hope. They promise fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we want. Yeah. And they don't deliver, though. They no. don't make good on those promises. And she says, and I think this is so true, today we have authors and influencers, life coach gurus peddling their personal transformation stories as models for others to follow. But the problem with that is often these people, um, you know, have recently made a life-altering decision that seemed to make them happy in the moment, but but it hasn't been tested by time. Yeah. And so they are they are new to this kind of thinking and they're they're teaching others to think like they do. And that's where uh, the airplanes, the title of the chapter comes in because she says, you know, she gives a personal uh, story that she's so comfortable on planes, she can fall asleep, no problem. But what if the pilot came on and said, you know, I'm brand new pilot and I've only ever, you know, flown in simulators before. This is my first flight in the air. You wouldn't feel that comfortable in trusting your life to that person. Okay, can I just admit that I have not had any idea why this chapter was called Airplanes? (laughs) Okay, good. So I hope I've cleared that up. Thanks for clearing that up. Because I was like, I don't understand why she called this Airplane. But yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so in, in the same way... You know, we follow these influencers who are brand new to what they're teaching. and 
or they're just really, uh, you know, they're charismatic. And I, when I say that word, I mean, they're just like, they're so um, confident in what they're saying and they, they're just infectious in, in how they mm-hmm. present. And so it's almost like this popularity contest, not mm-hmm. the content of what they're saying, but, but how, how good they look to, or how mm-hmm. put together they are. Yeah. Really absolutely. powerful. And then she says, on the other hand, scripture has stood the test of thousands of years, been endorsed by millions who've been transformed by its truth, and given countless believers a solid foundation for knowing God and living out their faith. And so that's what we should be building our lives on, is the truth of scripture. So she she actually ends this chapter by just saying, this is what this book is about. So as we dive into it more, um, she says, it's a the book that we are going to be discussing, um, it's a book about logic and common sense and the ridiculous ways we talk ourselves out of those things. Um, but mostly it's a book about planting our feet on the bedrock of God's truth. It's God's truth and it doesn't evolve with cultural trends. So we just really want to encourage all of us to take a breath and be prepared to realize that there are some things that um Maybe you've been deceived in, or maybe you you just need to change your thinking because we want to seek truth. Mm-hmm. So chapter two is called Trousers, Rebuilding the Tower of Babel, or is it Babel? And she starts with... Uh, a story. She said, I once told a British Christian rock star I liked his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and she said she she um, blurted out, I like your pants. But in that culture, pants means underwear. And what we would call pants are trousers. And right. so words matter. That's the point in this in this chapter. Words matter. They matter, and yet they've been hijacked. They have been redefined. And I don't know if um, we're all aware of just how much that is true in our current culture. That uh, and she she addresses that really, really well um, because so many words. She actually uses the term that she borrows from uh, another author: linguistic theft, which um, she defines as purposely hijacking words, changing their definitions, and then using those same words as tools of propaganda. And we are so subject to propaganda in our culture, so very much, everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for example, and this probably maybe is one of the, the biggest words that have been hijacked, the word tolerance. She said, years ago, tolerance meant that even though you might disagree with someone else's opinion, you respected their right to say it and wouldn't retaliate with violence or abuse. However, that's not what most people mean when they use the word today. In our culture, tolerance often means celebrating and affirming the opinion of someone else and never implying that they could be objectively wrong about anything, especially when it comes to morality or religion. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you are in the world, for lack of a better term, and you, you are going to be really careful about what you say and how you say it, because it's so easy to be misunderstood. And, and it's because the words don't mean what we think they mean. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is actually really foundational to our conversation. Yeah, it is. It is. And so she, um, yeah, she, she, really calls us to pay attention to words and and to um to to defend the words that are important in our in our in our um 
Christianity, there are words that are really important that ought not to be redefined. And so we're supposed to stand on stand on that truth. Well, even I mean, we we don't want to like tell you what to think. That is not our goal as we talk through this book. But we do want to point you to scripture and what God tells you mm-hmm. that is true. And so, but some of these things are we, we're now getting really controversial where we can't even define gender in the same way as mm-hmm. we used to. There, everything is kind of on the chopping block in, in our current culture. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to look at how God says it as opposed to what is being said around us. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, we, we talk past each other. We define words differently. We value knowledge and meaning in different ways. Uh, we shun logic and we celebrate all viewpoints as equally valid except Christian ones, the traditional Christian ones. Those are uh, under strong attack. So it has never been more difficult to live as a person dedicated to truth, she says. And that's profound to think about mm-hmm. um, and and unsettling. It is unsettling. <laughs> really unsettling. But but we want to we want to navigate this together. Yeah. So in chapter three, she starts with the first kind of slogan that um, the world has bought into, and perhaps we as Christians have as well. Chapter three is called Leprechauns, and the slogan is Live Your Truth. And she starts with the story of her young daughter who came home from school and said, Leprechauns are real, mom. And so she tried to tell her, her little girl that no, leprechauns are not real, but Um, This little girl saw gold dust that the teacher had sprinkled all over her classroom and um, left behind, the leprechaun had left behind a shoe. And so this five-year-old daughter was absolutely convinced that leprechauns are real. And that's a cute story. Like, I don't think we should necessarily say that it's wrong to, you know... um, use your imagination in those kinds of ways and Mm -hmm. and um there's a beautiful world of um mythology and Mm -hmm. uh, fairy tales that are beautiful because they teach us truths when they are um told in that way but that is not what her point is with this story Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah her point is you know some people say what what is your truth is your truth what's my truth is my truth um and she brings up the the idea of postmodernism and how it's infected nearly every facet of our lives especially how we think and process information so much so that we don't even realize it right like we, I, we yeah. don't know yeah i think so too um and then postmodernism has given birth to a love child, a phenomenon called deconstruction. And so she talks about the idea that um, there are people who are abandoning their faith, deconstructing their faith. Deconstruction means the slow unraveling of someone's faith as many of the beliefs they grew up with are picked apart and discarded. Yeah, that's a hot word right now, eh? Like, yeah. you hear that word deconstruction and and you think, what's going on? And it's usually not good. <laughs> no, no. But she she challenges us to think about deconstruction in the context of faith as it happens on the level of language. So just what we talked about a few minutes ago, and how um, some of our words, our precious core doctrines of the Christian faith, are explained away. She says in many cases, resurrection 
does not refer to an empty tomb and the physical appearance of Jesus after his death, but has become a metaphor for the possibility of new life after hardship or destructive tendencies. And the same thing with incarnation and atonement. Those words have been changed in our culture. And those are, those are important words to us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're worth fighting for. Oh, for sure. And, and, and other words too, like not even the, I say in quotes, the church words, right? Mm-hmm. The Christian words. Like she uses some examples of, of slogans um, like uh, women's rights and uh, love is love. And those all sound really good. But then when you kind of go under the surface a little bit, you discover that women's rights actually means helping to keep abortion legal. Well, that's not what I think of when I think women's rights, but that is actually what the messaging is saying. And so you need to kind of be aware of that as you see some of these slogans and see some of these sayings. Like we've, we've been inundated with these things, um, in a, like, like a fire hose and, and it's, they're all around us. And I know as you're listening, you you can think of some that, uh, and we hope you will think of some that, that need to be, um, rebuked. And it's important, I think, in conversations with people to ask them what they mean by that. Like, what do you mean by women's rights or whatever? What do you mean by that term so that you're actually talking about the same thing? Yeah. Or like the word love, like that word means so many different things to so many different people. And, and there, but there is a biblical definition of love that outweighs all of those things. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with unselfish sacrificial um giving to others Mm -hmm. and and that is not like we we are a selfish culture i think it comes back to that um everything is about me even even the phrase live your truth it's about it's Mm -hmm. about what you think and no um that's where we're fundamentally in error Mm -hmm. she says we live in a time and place where many people don't know what truth is but we as Christians, we know that truth is a thought, a statement, or opinion that lines up with reality. And that's it. If, if what we say, think, or believe lines up with reality, it's truth. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it's not. Yeah. And truth is true for all people in all places at all times. It's not something you invent or create. It's something you discover. And so to bring, like, that's that's a really bold statement to say in our culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not everything, everything is up for grabs. Even, um, I haven't actually personally checked this, but I have heard that if you Google 2 plus 2, you're not going to get 4. Because the, we've just, everything is... Um, Well, she says here, be prepared to be sucked into the vortex of endless nonsensical ramblings about the oppressive power (laughs) dynamics of mathematics. And it's just like there's so much language that is just being um, thrown at us that it kind of makes your head spin, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm here to tell you today, two plus two is four. It always has been. It always (laughs) will be. It it is. And, And in the same way, Jesus is the truth. And I think that like that's what we're that's what we want to say yeah. today loud and clear. Yeah. Um, Jesus proclaims himself as the truth and um, and that is true no matter what we think, no matter what our perspective is. Yeah. So defending the gospel requires defending objective truth. There's no way around it. Christianity is based on truth. 
And so that's that's part of what we're called to do as we as we defend and share the gospel is to share truth. Yeah, so there isn't really any such thing as your truth. Even she gives the example, which I really appreciate, because there's subjective things and there's objective things, right? Like mm-hmm. two plus two is four. That is that is true, and um, it's true across the board. But Shannon has a, a type of dessert that she likes, and I have a type of dessert that I like, and we might both say this is the best dessert. Um, <clears throat> the thing that is truth about that is not that... Um, like, this is where we get into subjective versus objective. Obviously, we're going to have a different opinion on that. So the truth of it is, is that Shannon is stating what she believes to be true about the best dessert. So the truth is that that's what she thinks. That's what that's the objective part of it. But really, what dessert is the best, that's subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think the culture is getting confused. Because they're saying preferences are your truth right and that's that's not true yeah (laughs) truth is truth yeah it's like we've we've taken truth and kind of muddied it and made it something watered it down we've really watered it down and and instead because we there is such thing as absolute truth Mm -hmm. that is beyond question and and we need to cling to that because there's hope in that yeah Um, it's a free fall when when truth can be defined by every single person yeah yeah. And that's what we're in. That's what we're experiencing in our culture. It is. And Gen Z, she says, believes that morality changes over time. This means that the dominant view of the next generation is what is called moral rel- relativism. And so, yeah, they, they think that this that morality changes, but it doesn't, as Lynn said. There is absolute truth that we can build our lives on. Um, and so, yeah, Lynn, is there anything else that you wanted to say about about this chapter, Live Your Truth? Well, she she gives a really great um, example, really, um, in Scripture with the Tower of Babel and, and how people came together. And it wasn't that God was, didn't want people to come together and work together to build something. It was that they were building something that was really quite ugly because it was they were turning their back on God. And, and she points out that today... We have a Tower of Babel, B-A-B-B-L-E, which is very, very similar um, in social media. And we see that all the time because we are more connected, more exposed to thoughts and feelings of others, and more susceptible to cultural patterns um, that would seek to unite us in our common tendencies. But, But this is leaving us tired and traumatized and exhausted, and that is... um, that's why we're, we're, we're talking about this, because that's not the Tower of Babel that we want to, mm-hmm. to live by. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we just want to encourage you to stand firm on the truth of God's word. That is the unchanging, solid foundation. And we need to build our lives on it in a culture of ever-shifting sand. So we encourage you to do that today. Today we are joined by Bella Weidman, and she's here uh, to have a conversation with us. We got to uh, snuggle with baby Audrey, so that's fun. So Bella, why don't you uh, start just by telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, typical day in this season of life. 
Sure. So, um, yeah, I have a five-month-old daughter. She is very bubbly, loves people. I mean, we kind of force that on her with being youth leaders <laughs> and being around kids all the time. Um, but, yeah, she is very social. Um, and, yeah, we just have loved seeing her grow up. Um, I... I'm staying at home with her right now, but I do have a candle business on the side that was full-time for a little bit, and then she was born, and it's kind of just been when I can get it done, then I get it done during nap time and after bedtime and stuff like that. Um, My husband is a plumber. He has worked for the same company for six or seven years now since he was done high school. Um, Yeah, so right now it's pretty much just caring for... A baby all day <laughs> but I honestly love it I have always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom so like I built I used to do daycare um yeah, you just for, you love babies, yeah right? I love babies so did daycare <laughs> mostly like loved kids but also wanted to have a career that I could be at home when I have kids mm-hmm. so that's how it started and then we started candles as like a little side hustle and it kind of took over and then I stopped daycare and basically made the choice of I could either stay at home with other kids at home with my child or I could um, have no other kids, my kids, and then have candles on the side. So the easier option was candles for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, just definitely like since I was young felt called to be a stay-at-home mom and a homemaker. So I'm just super happy to be at that point in my life and yeah feel like I'm just reached my calling (laughs) it's a fun stage it is yeah it's so fun you know because there's so many different aspects to parenting and having kids and and it can be hard and it can be overwhelming but it's also so encouraging to like hear you just be like yes this is yeah I'm doing it I'm living my dream yeah it's for sure it's it's so good yeah it's definitely I, I said to Ben when Audrey, I think it was just a little bit off after Audrey was born and he was like, how are you doing with like being home all day? And I'm like, well, it seems easier now because I used to have five kids at home with me every day and now I just have one. Right. She definitely needs more like attention and care and it's, she doesn't go home at five. So that's also different, but I feel like in everything, it's typically like I usually am good to be at home and I don't have any complaints about it but I was like but don't let that fool you like I'm sure I'll have days where I just need you to understand that it was hard even though I still want to do it and I still love it yes there's gonna be times where like I had I don't want to do it but yeah I still love it in that time (laughs) well (laughs) and there has been days like that in any job there are hard days for sure yeah 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 so no it's good and um yeah I think every day is I try to do something different just to get out of the normal routine. So this is our different for today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I have my mom coming lots to help me and Ben's mom comes lots to help me. So it's nice. been really good. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, you're obviously very busy with candle making yes. and youth. Like yes. Those are both Yeah. probably... There's no end to either yes. of those. Right? There's always <laughs> more that true. you could do. Yes, <laughs> well, absolutely. That, so that's really cool. Yeah. So um, we, as you know, are talking about truth versus lie and how does that look? And we thought it would be fun to start with something maybe kind of fun or amusing. And so our question to you is, can you think back to something 
that you believed as a child that turned out to be completely wrong? Yeah, I actually, this popped into my head as soon as I read this question, but my parents, when we were driving at night, always told us not to turn the overhead lights on. Like it was illegal. And we yes. were going to get caught. Yes. <laughs> and I don't understand. Like now I've grown up, I'm like, I've done it. Or Ben has done it while I'm driving. And I'm like, stop. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> looking for something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess it's actually not illegal. But I don't know if the idea was like, it might cause unwanted attention. Like if you have the light on, if you passed a cop. Maybe they just wanted know. you guys to fall asleep. Yeah, that could be it too. <laughs> or and it I is think distracting. it's distracting. It is yeah. distracting. For the driver, yeah. It was just like, I just took it as that was truth. Like I can't turn the overhead light on at night. But yeah, well, it's funny. my parents said the exact same thing. Because yeah, so you're funny. saying that, and I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not illegal. No, no. It's not illegal. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Bella. Um, On a little bit of a more serious note, can you give an example of something you see in our current culture that is being portrayed as truth but is really a lie? Yeah, I actually, it's funny. I was, I'm reading a book. Well, I guess it's not really reading right now. I'm listening to a book. Um, Still reading. (laughs) Yes. Still reading. that is called Mama Bear Apologetics. Oh, yes. Um, yes. 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 And this, I literally on the way here was just, um, it was pretty cool because I had this written out and then I read this part of the book and it just confirmed the whole um, thing that I was going to say. So I was going to say that I think the biggest lie is like the you do you mindset. She classified it as like authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. So like you just kind of are okay being who you are even if it's um, hurting other people or like kind of reckless um, or rebellious which I yeah I don't know I feel like um, it just leaves you in pain leaves other people in pain if you hurt them through that um, mindset but like we're called to grow and change and learn and put away our sinful nature and when you live in the you do you or authentic with quotations mindset that just takes that and kind of lets you sit with your sin and be comfortable Mm -hmm. with it more and more um so yeah I feel like it's just um a like secret lie kind of like it's just sneaky the way it kind of is like yeah everybody's just telling me to be myself and this is who I am but it's like well you could be more like Christ or more like... Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's yeah. so subtle because, like, my daughter says it all the time, just joking, but, yeah, yeah oh, you do you, Mom. Yeah. And and it's funny and yeah. whatever. It's just a little sl- saying, but it's actually not true. Like, yeah. That we should not... But there are elements of it that are true, right? That right. we're all yeah. unique and we yes. all have, Absolutely. like, different interests and, yeah. and whatever. That part's true. Yeah. That's where it gets sneaky yeah. because, yeah... Yeah. Yeah. And there is an aspect of authenticity in Christianity because you want to acknowledge your sin and be authentic with your struggles, but like not just sitting in it and saying that's just who you are because you're sinful. Right. That phrase uh, that really speaks to me to sit in your sin. Yeah. But it's like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we asked you for a fun story of something that you <laughs> believed. Do you have an example in your personal journey of something that you truly believed to be true and then subsequently discovered that it was not? 
Yes. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of my testimony, I guess, which that's, that's fine. fine. Um, so the big lie that I'm going to be talking about is just the um, how our identity can be found in like the things of the earth and how the world sees us and just being comfortable with our sin um, and st- instead of striving to throw it off and chase mm-hmm. after Christ. So um, when I was 14, so 12 years ago, which is crazy, it was just this May, um, this past May was my dad's, the anniversary of my dad's death. Um, so from that, I so I was actually the one who found him when mm-hmm. he had passed away. So I didn't fully get diagnosed with PTSD, but that, that, that was mostly just to save me the whole process of doing that. But I was with a psychotherapist and he was saying, yeah, like the of elements of everything. Yeah. That's something that you show that you have um, struggled with and stuff. And then um, anxiety and depression as well. Um, so I definitely, I think it didn't help that it was in my formative teen years, like Mm -hmm. you're kind of just taking everything in and you're not really able to see all the decisions you're making or how you're thinking and stuff. But I became, or I started to believe the lie that I was just always going to be that way. I was always going to be anxious. I was always going to be depressed. I was always going to struggle with PTSD and it was never going to get better. Um, I put a lot of that into my relationship with Ben and just like, he's going to make, he makes me feel better. We started dating super young. We were 15 or 16 when we started dating. And that was right at the height of everything Mm -hmm. that was going on. So it took a couple years for all of it to kind of hit me that I was struggling with this stuff. So he became kind of the my savior, really. Um, and I was just like, yeah, this is how I'm going to be. Like, my dad passed away, and I'm always going to be feeling this way, and it's never going to get better. Um, which I, like, I don't want to say that the mental health part is necessarily a sin, but just sitting with it and not, like, you know, trying to give it to God and give your burdens to him. Or to have hope. Yeah, and to have hope is kind of, and it kind of just sends you down the, like, coping, right? Like, putting Ben as my savior is definitely sinful. (laughs) Like, you don't want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I definitely just felt, yeah, like I was stuck in it. Um, I kind of just started to realize that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, Ben really, well, (laughs) I love this story. So I think it was when we were 18, I was just like probably the lowest I've ever been and wasn't eating, couldn't keep anything down. And that's usually what happens when I get like to my lowest. I just can't keep anything down. I can't eat anything. So it's hard to hide it because my all my family will be like, well, you love food and you're not eating. So something's wrong. (laughs) So that kind of happened. And, but in my mind, I just put everything that I was feeling onto my relationship with Ben. And it was just like, he's the problem. Like I shouldn't be with him. Like everything that I'm feeling is just like, because of the relationship. And if I just break up with him, like I'll feel better. So I, I 
tried to break up with him and he said no (laughs) (laughs) which like sounds toxic and not good but like it actually was really good (laughs) because he could see from his perspective that it wasn't our relationship and it was all my struggles just like projecting onto the relationship so he was like no I think you just need to go talk to somebody and actually get some help and that's when I did the whole um therapist and everything like that and it was super helpful to just like be able to take a step back and deal with what I was feeling head on instead of like just thinking I was always going to feel that way um so yeah I kind of came through that on the other end and my I think my main thing that I took away was that we're his we're always God's children first and that's mm-hmm. our identity like mm-hmm. we can't have our identity in anything else and as soon as you do mm-hmm. you start slipping um so that has really just kept me like above water I think most of the time because mm-hmm. if I like I always will have those parts of me I don't even consider now that I would have PTSD just because it's just moments that it'll hit me it's not something I'm stuck in and it's not my identity anymore it's just something that I struggle with occasionally but my identity is always first with Christ. I like that image that you're outside of it. Yes. You're aware yeah. of it. You yeah. can see it, but it's not you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think I I also, because I, I always think it's easy to talk about stuff that you have, have worked, through. Have worked yeah. through. So I wanted to make sure I'm talking about stuff that I'm wrestling with now, which is definitely just the identity of being a mom because I've always wanted to be one. I'm like, every day I'm like that's what I'm gonna do that's what I'm called to do which is not wrong um but I feel like it often can become an excuse or just in my head like Gary was talking I think it was Gary um the one Sunday about um like sharing the good news and everything and um I think I caught myself just thinking while I'm home all day so I don't really like Mm. talk to other people I don't really have the chance to go out in the world and and meet new people but like what about other moms and like going to the park and just picking a new park and sitting with a mom like there's so many different ways that I can do it Mm. um but just yeah struggling with like that having being a mom is not my first identity now it's still being a child of God Mm. and being a mom is just another thing that I've become and have under my belt kind of thing so Mm. Yeah, and I mean, serving with youth too. I can't really say that I can't do it because Brad comes and he just whisks her away. So I have (laughs) lots of opportunities. That's right. (laughs) My husband has found his life calling just to find babies everywhere. That's that's right. I feel like him and Audrey are going to have a good relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So as you know, truth is on trial in ways that we never would have anticipated even a short time ago. Can you give an example of an area where you've seen that played out in a very obvious way? Yeah. So again, with this uh, book I'm reading, Mama Bear Apologetics, I'm all, I think I'm maybe a quarter of the way through and I just can't like, I need to like stop reading it and just like digest <laughs> everything mm. that she says because it's so good and so rich. Um, but I think she just put into words something I've really been trying to wrap my head around is, um, just the word tolerance, Mm. um, and how society has kind of twisted it to mean that you have to be okay with what everybody else 
beliefs, right? right? When, like, I wrote down the actual definition, um, and it's the ability or willingness to tolerate something, in particular the existence of opinions or behavior that you do not agree with. So it's just ironic that it's totally the people, that, <laughs> like, the people that are saying that are being intolerant because they're not tolerating your own beliefs by calling you intolerant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think, is just something, and again, it's kind of like a sneaky lie, um, yeah. just because you can easily be caught up in thinking, well, like, if everybody else is thinking that way, then it must be okay, or, like, that's just kind of how society is yeah. going these yeah. days, right? But The term yeah. gaslighting comes to mind, yes. and I've heard it again and again, and I've been realizing lately how I gaslight myself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need other people to do it. I just mm-hmm. end up, well, no, it must just be me. I must yeah. be the only one thinking this way, so yeah. I must be wrong, and yeah. Yeah. And that's not necessarily Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, okay. So a strong case can obviously be made that we need to be more discerning in our decisions that we make every day. If you could choose one area of life where that is increasingly important, what would you say that is? I would definitely say online and with social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I use it a lot. I have my whole business online. It can make me money like just by marketing and stuff like that so I definitely think it's useful like we're using it right now with Mm -hmm. podcasting and you're going to advertise it on Facebook and Instagram and email and everything (laughs) and you're getting the word out there and that's like again it's definitely useful and we can use it for good Um, but I feel like it just magnifies how easy it is to make lies seem true because you can just mindlessly scroll And usually the things that you're seeing on there are secular and not, like, good food for Christians, right? So... Or even if they're catered to you, right? With all the... Yeah. Whatever, however they do that. Algorithms Algorithms. So then you're missing out on all these other things. Yeah, absolutely. So it just, it makes you... It sucks you in without even you realizing it Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like, we'll be watching a movie and all of a sudden I'm on Instagram and I'm like, when did... (laughs) (laughs) that happened (laughs) so we've been trying to be really intentional about having our phones away like especially just when we're having family time like just actually put it somewhere else so you're not hearing it buzz or you're not getting the dings or you don't just pick it up because the adrenaline rush from that buzz is just yeah yeah. it's instinct yeah just to pick it up yeah so I think yeah with social media you just have to be really discerning in how you're consuming it and being able to like like you're gonna use it like you don't have to use it I know a lot of people that delete it or don't use it at all which is there's an increasing number yes, that are choosing yeah that. which is great yeah um in my case I probably wouldn't make much money if I did delete it because that's where all my right following is right so um I've just had to like set aside time where like okay I'm gonna make this post and then I'm gonna be done I'm not going to scroll. Okay, I'm going to answer these messages Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be done. Um, But then if I do find myself 10 minutes of scrolling or whatever I'm doing, just being able to like look at what I'm seeing and discern whether it's truth or lie Mm -hmm. is even just a good practice for for that, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're like you can't shut yourself out from the world because you need to be able to go out into the world and right and share the good news and everything like that so there's going to be times where you need to just be able to discern whether what you're seeing or hearing or doing is good or 
bad or not even good or bad, but like, is it building you up spiritually or is Mm. it? Well, it's even a mindset, right? Where I don't know if this is true for you, but I feel like it's often true that we, well, we have five minutes to kill. So I'll just, I'll just go on Instagram or I'll just go on Facebook or I, I I don't want to think right now. I've had those thoughts. I don't want to think right now. So I'm going to go and, and whatever. And, and that in itself is like based in a lie. Yes. I don't get to not think like there's for sure you can, there's, you can relax, like rest. That's important, but it's not restful to no. see how beautiful everybody else's houses yes, are. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it leaves you feeling worse yeah. than, than you did. And then yeah. it probably causes you to think more than you were going to initially think if you didn't even go on to yeah, it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's true. So what advice do you have for increasing our discernment and our ability to discern truth from lies? Um, I think, well, I just, I love this question. I've been, I think it's just been years of me trying to figure this out I my spiritual gift is discernment so Mm. I'm always trying to figure out like how can I be better at it and use it more um so kind of like what I was saying just being able to take in the information that you have like you're driving down the highway you see billboards that Mm. aren't great right like not just being like that's normal to see that like oh no like we shouldn't be Mm -hmm. you know like being able to see what is wrong and what isn't biblical and spit it out and just take in what is good. Yeah. Is so like analyze the motivation behind yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just mindlessly like going taking through and it. accepting what's yeah. what you're taking in, right? Like you're watching a movie, there's going to be good movies out there that have bad aspects like yeah. you know that you can't necessarily like the movie in itself has a good message and but it could be just hard to watch in certain aspects um and not in the sense that you're just watching movies with inappropriate scenes because the message is good but if it's dealing with drugs there's going to be some hard yeah, things in the sure. movie yeah. that you know um and some of the that example specifically is from the mama bear book um of just she, she i think she watched a movie that showed the um like progression of using drugs but the movie itself was like eye-opening like because you can see how bad it is to use them and everything but like but it's not uplifting (laughs) but you can spit out what isn't good right so not to put rose-colored glasses on yeah think everything's great because my life is great yeah exactly yeah to be aware yeah but then also sometimes we are not equipped like certain even just the time of year or day or whatever it is, you yeah. might not be equipped to handle that yes, particular exactly. story. Mm-hmm. But yeah. someone else is yeah. because they mm-hmm. they have more yeah. ability for, sure. for that. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah, being aware of yourself and how you're doing mentally and emotionally, and how you would react to stuff when mm-hmm. you see it. Like if I'm like I refuse to watch the news mostly because I just end up feeling anxious Mm -hmm. from it and I always find out what's happening in the world somehow (laughs) so I don't need to watch it in order to uh, get the news and figure out what's going on like my mom will tell me or you just you just hear about it right and then you have the ability to take in what you want and and not see what you don't want to see so that's wise yeah yeah Yeah, but it's true and we all have different thresholds like yeah 
I love a good murder mystery. Yeah. As long as it's not too, like, thriller. Yeah. Because then, like, that stays with me forever. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, like, nope. I just can't watch this. Yeah. So I just don't watch it. Yeah, them. for sure. Yeah. yeah, I have, like, a zero tolerance for <laughs> a lot of <laughs> violence or anything. Like, yeah, it's violence. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... If, if a movie leaves me feeling, like, anxious after, I'm just, like, yeah, there's no point. Like, I'm always... Ben's like, what do you want to watch? This one looks good. And I'm like, yeah, but it sounds like it's going to be sad. And I don't want to be sad tonight. So mm-hmm. it's always yeah. happy movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. All right, well, we come to the question that is the... Um, kind of the hallmark of our title. We are the Mosaic Podcast. And <laughs> so um, we want to talk about something... Um, if you would share with us something in your life where you have felt broken and God is either turning it into or has turned it into something beautiful. Yeah, so um, I feel like the most recent time, there's lots of times that I've been broken, um, but really broken was probably back in 2020. Um, like COVID had hit, the world changed. I feel like that it kind of happened more in the summer for sure. Um, so it just... COVID got progressively worse and like everything was heightened all the news all the deaths like everything was just like you can't go outside you can't do anything you're gonna get sick and my mind was just like you're gonna get sick and die like that was and it wasn't me I was like I don't care if I get sick and die not that I was being reckless but it was my other loved ones um and that was definitely more um with the PTSD I think it just kind of pulled through because my dad passed away because of a blood infection. So it was oh, nothing wow. we could have done and nothing we could have seen coming. Right. Which is basically so just what COVID triggers. All the triggers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was, okay, so we're going to go out to the mall, but we don't know who's sick and we don't know if we have it because COVID testing wasn't really happening then. And if you do get it, you could die and there's nothing we can do to stop it, basically is where my mind went. So I was pretty much terrified that everybody that I loved was gonna die and um I think well it happened like it, again like I said um I wasn't really eating so it was Ben was very quick to catch on like you're not eating because I I basically I throw up when I'm anxious like really anxious so I that's would, a great yeah. trigger you can't yeah <laughs> no you really can't so what, it a, just, what a grace that yeah, is. It, it's very like <laughs> obvious when I'm struggling um <laughs> Which I honestly think is a blessing in disguise yeah. because I feel like I would hide you, it a you, lot. Yeah, and you I don't. just can't. You can't. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. Um, and then when I was pregnant, it turned out also to be a blessing because I was used to throwing up. So it was just like, oh, yeah. oh this is just something I'm going to deal with every day. <laughs> um, anyways, so, yeah, I definitely couldn't hide it. Um, and Ben was kind of like, what's going on? And I said, like, you know somebody like you're gonna get sick and you're gonna die or my mom's gonna get sick and gonna die and whatever so I um it got to the point where both Ben and my mom were like you need to go back and see your therapist and I was like yeah I probably should which is funny because I think the last time I saw him was the year before I got married and he told me you're gonna come back after you get married and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it was like a year after I got married that I went oh, back to wow. see him. So I'm waiting. And then after that, he said, you're going to come back after you have a kid. And I was like, all right. So I'm kind of like anticipating when that's going <laughs> to happen. But I will say that in the end of all of this, I do look forward to more trials because 
of how much I've grown from them in the past. So I'm almost looking forward to seeing him again (laughs) because (laughs) I know it's going to happen and I am just waiting kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. and not waiting in a, a, like a tense, anxious way, but just knowing like, yeah, like stuff's going to come and I'm going to be able to, to know and recognize it because I can't hide it. And that's how kind of life goes up and down. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like that time (laughs) can hear her out there. (laughs) Um, that time in my life, um, now looking back, I don't think I would have been as relaxed with Audrey as I am Mm. now because having her is like literally my my heart walking outside of my body and I need to be okay with not having control over what happens and choosing what I can have control over and keeping her safe and everything like that but at the end of the day like yeah welcome to mother yes right so I think if I didn't go through what I did without having a kid I would be like a wreck right now which I just think Which it's is such maybe a partly why it has been an easier transition yes. for you. Yeah. Because you worked through some of those things. Yeah, before. for sure. Yeah. So I think God has just blessed me in that area of just being able to sleep at night without watching the monitor. <laughs> like, <laughs> is she breathing? Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, like um, letting other people have her and not worrying about every little thing. And yeah, it's just been a lot more relaxed mm. and nice. So. Good. Yeah. So yeah. if you're looking to transfer into parenthood in an easy way, have a really traumatic experience. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. Yeah. And, that's right. And then be a daycare, like to, uh, yes. open up a daycare yes. at your home and yeah. you'll be all set. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. That's good. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing yes. that with us. Yeah, for thank sure. Thank you very much, Bella. Mm-hmm. So, Bella, we like to end every podcast with a few rapid fire questions sure. about your favorite yeah. things. So, what is your favorite food? Um, pizza, for pizza. sure. Could have it every day of the week. Every day, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you're perfect for youth ministry. Yes, then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, favorite book? Um, ooh, that's hard. I'm not, like, a huge reader. I'm okay. trying to be. Um, Sounds like you're enjoying this moment. Yeah, I, I want to say this one just because it's something that I'm enjoying a lot right yeah. now. Um, and I feel like it's going to be something I go back to a yeah. lot as I'm raising kids and just being able to have something to turn to that gives like actual biblical, yeah. like this is how you need to raise them more, not just letting them not just keeping them sheltered but like you know you need to expose them to what the world is like so they know how to navigate it themselves right um so yeah this book is probably one of my favorites right now for sure good favorite hobby um (laughs) candle making that's but i I don't know if i can really say it anymore it's more of a job (laughs) like i still enjoy it but when it was a side hustle i was like yeah that's my hobby um i think being outdoors just in general so um yeah we love camping we're going camping three or four times this summer you Um, went camping three or four times this summer because it's yes that's right yeah (laughs) that's right we went camping hopefully it went well (laughs) um yeah so we love doing that um walking hiking all that kind of stuff is what I do in my spare time so yeah yeah love it 
Well, Bella, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, this thanks for having fun. me. It has been fun. Yeah. Yes, and you have lots of wisdom to share. Thank so, you. <laughs> thank you. So we're on a brand new series, as we have already discussed, um, looking at lies that we have believed, things that we... Um, we just we just want to point out truth and talk about truth uh, as much as possible. So as we are doing that in this series, I thought it would be fun, and you might disagree. And actually, I wonder if I wonder if how many of you would would be filled with dread the minute I say to you that we're going to spend this series um, going through some poems. How many of you just love poems? Shannon, we're on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> How many poems? Well, the, there's poetry in the Bible, so I like that. <laughs> but beyond the Bible, I can't say I've I've read too many. And I think, and that's why I decided to do this. Um, honestly, I thought, what a great idea, um, because thirty three percent of the Bible is made up of poetry, including songs, reflective poetry, um, passionate, politically resistance, um, so many things, so much poetry, 33%. That's a third of the Bible. Wow. And so if we think that uh, I'm just going to get through life without reading poetry or understanding poetry or trying to get my head around why why can't I just say it in plain English? Why does it have to be lyrical? Um, we're missing out on a third of the Bible, and I don't think that's what God wants for us. In fact, I know that's not what God wants for us. Um, but when it comes to reading or listening to poetry, and I would argue that poetry is really best listened to, um, you you need to have a different hat on. It's not just a, you know, uh, here's point one, two, three, and four, and here they are, and now take them and go. No, you got to dig deeper. And and honestly, I really believe that God is calling us to dig deeper when it comes to his word as well. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time this series just focusing in on poetry. And, and my challenge to you is to to really take a few minutes and not fast forward this part, but actually take a deep breath and just let yourself listen to the poems that I'm going to, to share with you. If you can do that, you will find some beautiful truth. And so the poem that I have chosen to start with is uh, a poem that I just heard not that long ago, uh, shared by someone. She is one of her favorite poems by by Rudyard Kipling. Um, Rudyard Kipling, uh, you're probably, if you are aware of who he is, he um, you, he's kind of most known for um, his children's books, like The Jungle Book, um, Just So Stories. Um, he also actually is a little bit of a controversial person because of some of his beliefs, um, which has happened. I mean, if we're honest, again, so many people, um, not not current, our history is under attack, right? People are being attacked and, and being called, being canceled, all these things. So all of that just, I think, fits into um, why I chose 
to showcase him today and, and this poem particularly. This poem is called The Glory of the Garden. And I am not going to read it myself. I found somebody online and you are gonna can listen to his British voice because it just makes more sense to hear it from... Uh, in the British tongue, which is how, and because Rudyard Kipling himself was was British also. Um, so like I said, just take a, a minute. This poem is talking about England as a garden. Um, it's talking about, it's just really, it starts out and it's just describing England as a garden and the beautiful things that, that you see there as a result. And it just seems kind of matter of fact in a lot of ways, but then he brings in some beautiful truths and ties it all together. Um, and so please listen through, and I hope you are, are challenged and encouraged today. Our England is a garden that is full of stately views, of borders, beds and shrubberies, and lawns and avenues, with statues on the terraces and peacocks strutting by. But the glory of the garden lies in more than meets the eye. For where the old thick laurels grow along the thin red wall, You'll find the tall and potting sheds, which are the heart of all. The cold frames and the hot houses, the dung pits and the tanks, the rollers, carts and drain pipes with the barrows and the planks. And there you'll see the gardeners, the men and prentice boys, told off to do as they are bid and do it without noise. For except when seeds are planted and we shout to scare the birds, the glory of the garden, it abideth not in words. And some can pop begonias, and some can bud a rose, and some are hardly fit to trust with anything that grows. But they can roll and trim the lawns, and sift the sand and loam, for the glory of the garden occupieth all who come. Our England is a garden, and such gardens are not made by singing, oh how beautiful, and sitting in the shade, while better men than we go out and start their working lives at grubbing weeds from gravel paths with broken dinner knives. There's not a pair of legs so thin, there's not a head so thick, there's not a hand so weak or white, nor yet a heart so sick, but it can find some needful job that's crying to be done, for the glory of the garden glorifieth everyone. Then seek your job with thankfulness, and work till further orders. If it's only netting strawberries, or killing slugs on borders. And when your back stops aching and your hands begin to harden, you will find yourself a partner in the glory of the garden. Oh, Adam was a gardener, and God who made him sees that half a proper gardener's work is done upon his knees. So when your work is finished, you can wash your hands and pray for the glory of the garden, that it shall not pass away. And the glory of the garden, it will never pass away. We've come to the Bible teaching time in our series called Truth or Lie. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that God is true and Jesus has said he is the truth. The culture, like we've said, says there is no absolute truth, but we as Christians believe that truth exists and it's rooted in the character and the ways of God. God is true. He is the only true God. Isaiah 65, 16 says, He is the God of truth. 
God demonstrates that he is truth in the faithfulness and dependability of his words, his actions, and his dealings. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Not only is it impossible for God to lie because lying is contrary to his nature, but there's also no falsehood in God. Every aspect of God's character and all that he has said is true in every way. It is fact and reality. God always reveals a genuine reflection of himself. His projected image is true to his nature. In a world of constant shifting sands, God and his word are the bedrock standard of truth. God never makes a promise he will not fulfill. They will all come to pass. We can trust God because he is true. I think that that characteristic of who God is, that he is true, he is truth, is just so um, foundational to all that we believe. And it's it's comforting in a way because we can... We can trust his promises. We can trust his character. We know what he's going to do because we know who he is. And then Jesus, who is the exact image of God, Hebrews tells us, he calls himself the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1.14 says Jesus, when he came to earth, when he was incarnated, was full of grace and truth. So the foundation of truth is rooted in the very character of God, and that's what the Bible teaches us. So if you're not challenged today, then I don't think you've been listening, and then you just need to go back and start over. (laughs) because there's so much there. Thank you so much, Shannon, for sharing that. I love that Numbers 23, 19 verse. Um, He does not lie. He... He's not human, so he does not change his mind. I love that. I just, I want you guys all to know that we're praying for you as we enter into this series as as we enter into a a brand new school year, um, a brand new season, fall, um, so many things change and shift in September and and so we just hope that you um, cling to the truth that is that is God and and that's why why we're talking about this. So we want to thank Bella for her insight and and the things that she shared with us too. Um, we hope that you will just take some of these things and share them with others that that truth could just abound where we go. I'm going to close. I'm going to actually close this series this time. Um, I'm going back to a, a prayer in scripture that uh, I've used before on the podcast, but it just is so fitting and um, can say better than I can what our prayer is for us all as we, we enter into this season. It's Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And I pray this. That your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight so that you can decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Thank you.
for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.